first time he punched me, it was just like nothing I've ever experienced before. He said, no, punch me. And I said, okay. And I kind of looked at him. He said, no, really, punch me. So I went at him with everything that I had, and he just, he just like brushed my arm aside. It was like he just tapped it with the tip of his fingers. This is Glenn Murphy with NC Sistema, and this is Sistema for Life. Lloyd. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Great to see you. Hey, Glenn. How are you? Yeah, not bad. Yeah, enjoying it. Thanks a, for having a me. Semi, semi-relaxing morning after a crazy one yesterday with the kids. Yeah. <laughs> I know you can relate to that. Real. So could you tell folks a little bit about yourself? Uh, where you at? Where do you teach? I'm here in Roanoke, Virginia, born and raised here and tried to escape it a couple of times, but somehow Roanoke always has a way of kind of pulling you back in. So <laughs> I guess it's kind of like the mafia in that way. So how how did you um how did you first come across Sistema? Presumably there wasn't just uh, there weren't just gangs of Russian guys teaching Sistema in Virginia when you arrived. Yeah, definitely not in Roanoke. Um, it's it's kind of a long story. I, I guess I've been doing martial arts um, since I was about eight years old. I got started in Shotokan karate, mm-hmm. and um, you know wanted to pursue that. Was never really into the big team sports kind of thing. Um, didn't really relate to that much in school. <clears throat> so uh, karate and martial arts were always kind of like my passion and what I really wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And um, I wanted to pursue that at least until I got my black belt. And somewhere in the middle of there, I started reading Black Belt magazine. And and um, it was the 1980s and the, the ninja boom kind of happened and I was like what is this ninja stuff and mm-hmm. and I was just so very interested in that kind of thing and um found out that actually the the um karate teacher of my one of my brother's friends was um going to start teaching ninjutsu and I was like what how how is this possible but <laughs> With masks and Sorry. everything, throwing stars at each other. Yeah. <laughs> like, what is this? Yeah. But, um, you know, somewhere in there, I started reading these books by uh, Stephen Hayes and actually learned that there's something to this and there's a historical background and yeah. there's actual training and things like that. So um, I was kind of determined that I wanted to learn it, but um, found out that from my brother's friend that uh, his karate teacher was going to start teaching. And I was like wondering how this was possible. And uh, I met the guy, and he had a, a link to Stephen Hayes and a connection with him, and it was, you know, very interesting. So I started studying with him and met people in the Bujinkan organization, hmm. and uh, just kind of fell in love with it and really enjoyed the training. Hmm. Uh, commuted, you know, for seminars throughout the uh the East, uh, Atlanta, Ohio, to meet Stephen Hayes and attended festivals and things like that. Hmm. That's actually where our, our um, first met our brother uh, Brandon Summerfeld. Yeah, he used to he helped find the school, found the school here in uh, North Carolina, right in Chapel Hill, where actually my, my little boy he trains there. So he goes there once a week to do his ninja school, and then he uh, okay. and then he trains with us at the Sistema Family Class. So he does both. And yeah, Brandon I think helped found, found that school with Robert Stack, who was the original owner, not of Unsolved yes. Mysteries fame, a different Robert Stack, but, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I believe he, he helped found it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, cardiologist uh, actually mm. did quite well in that. Um, yeah, I've met Robert once or twice, but um, you know, in the course of that. Um, just really, really enjoyed it and kind of found a depth to the martial arts that I just uh, totally enjoyed and pursued that all through college and um, was in graduate school 
And uh, as you're familiar with the JET program, I got the opportunity to to go to Japan, mm-hmm. and uh, that's what I wanted to do. I want wanted to go over there and and study that. And at that time, there was this great kind of political rift and divide in the Bujinkan, and um, it was kind of the question of, do I want to study with Hatsumi Sensei, the head of the Bujinkan, or what had been his primary number one student or top Shihan, hmm. um, Aka Sensei. And, you know, based on a few conversations that I had with people that um, I respected and my own thoughts, I said, well, I think I'm going to try and study with Manaka Sensei. Okay. Because he has some of that experience that, um, <sighs> I guess when you're talking about an advanced teacher, you really can't learn that much always from the top level guy because they're just operating on a totally different level. Yeah. And they're not wanting or able to share. Um, what you need. Perspective. To sure. Yeah. Yeah. On where you need to be. Yeah. You know, rather than trying to imitate the master, you know, is there somebody that can kind of show you the path? So I mm-hmm. felt like Monaka sensei was the person to, to go with hmm. and um, thoroughly enjoyed that, but <sighs> kind of strange. Um, I was there for a few months and he starts talking about his uh, moving to Maryland. I'm like, what you're leaving. Hmm. And um, it, it, it turned out that he was going to move to the United States for a couple of years. So I was just like lost. Like, well, where, what do I do now? Hmm. Um, so I got a hold of a few people and through an introduction from uh, James Williams yep. of the Bouguet Trading Company, mm-hmm. I got introduced to um, Tetsuzan Kuroda Sensei of okay. a totally different system. Yeah, but um, I was just amazed by what Kuroda Sensei could do. Hmm. Um, Aiki Jujitsu kind of uh, material. Uh, very much akin to uh, someone I had met actually in the States, um, Don Angier. Yeah. And I uh, was just totally amazed at the subtlety of the work. Hmm. And, you know, you go in, you uh, come across this guy and you try to lay hands on him and it's just the most subtle movement and boom, you know, you're you're laying on your butt and yeah. you just don't know how you got there. And... Um, so I was fortunate enough to have that experience, but um, a buddy of mine actually came to Japan to visit, and um, while he was there, he said, this is really great and stuff, but when you come back, you need to come to Toronto with me and, and uh, see these Russian guys. So who's that? And, is that? Is that pal? Is that anybody I would know? Uh, do you know Drew? Yeah, yeah, Drew. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so... <sighs> You know, I was like Russians. What what do they know about martial arts? But mm-hmm. because I had known Drew for many years and really respected what uh, his opinion on things, I was like, okay, I'll give it a shot. Right. You know, um, and their the approach. Well, anyway, went to um, my first experience was to go to uh, Toronto for a week and just train at every class that I possibly could with Vlad, mm. and I was just amazed. It was the most um, intense experience, martial arts-wise, that I've ever had. It, the first time he punched me, it was just like, 
nothing I've ever experienced before. Hmm. And it was so funny because uh, he said, no, punch me. And I said, okay. And I kind of looked at him. He said, no, really, punch me. So I went at him with everything that I had, and he just, just casually sidestepped. And he just, like, brushed my arm aside. It was like he just tapped it with the tip of his fingers. Hmm. And um, just laid one into my gut, and I was, hmm. and uh, I just kind of came up off the floor laughing, and uh, you know people were kind of happy that I was laughing because they thought I'd be you know puking, <laughs> and I really, <laughs> I really felt like I was about to. But the reason I was laughing was you know after several years of what I consider very quality martial arts experience, that was the the hardest I had ever been hit. And, mm. you know, his his method and way of doing it was just so nonchalant on his part. I was like, yeah. you know, I got to be here. But what impressed me the most was that he was doing um, the very subtle, um, almost inexplicable kind of work that uh, I had seen Don Angier do and I had felt Kuroda Sensei do. Hmm. He was doing that same stuff. And where the Japanese had very few of Kuroda Sensei's students understood it, they were just flabbergasted. They just were like, well, we'll just keep trying. We'll, we'll keep training. And hopefully one day, you know, if, if the warrior gods are smiling on us and we train for 30 years, maybe we'll get it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of an attitude. Um, uh, Vlad's students understood what he was doing. Hmm. You know, they might not be able to necessarily do it on that level, but if you talk to them about how does that work, what are the mechanics, they at least had some kind of idea. Yeah. You know, and they were saying, well, you know, this is what we're working on, this is what we're trying to achieve. And for me, that was it. It's like, okay, you know, if if you are doing this kind of work, but none of your students are getting it, yeah, or only maybe a select few, yeah, then I, there's no way I'm going to be here, especially if I'm a foreigner in Japan. Yeah, um, they're not going to handle hand that to a guy gene like me. Hmm. But if you're, you know, if your students are getting it, then it shows me that at least there's a transmission there, yeah. you know, and. The, the teacher actually wants a number of his students to try to get it. So there's also kind of like a confirmation of sincerity and integrity in that approach. I think you know, yeah. it's like, and I felt the same thing myself. You know, training in Japan for a couple of years, same kind of thing. And, and I had great people that I trained with, and I don't regret the experience at all. It, it taught me a lot about myself, and uh, you know, I learned a lot about the culture. But there was always this idea again that it's like, well, just keep training for a really, really long time, and in like 30 years, 40 years, it will just start to manifest itself. You know, it's like don't right. worry about it. It's like there's no specific way to this ability. It just starts it just comes around and they would even give names to some techniques like you go as, as like the 60 year technique it's like you're not going to get it for 60 years don't worry about it just keep doing it for 60 years and eventually it will come but um but that kind of idea it's almost like kind of magical thinking to me you know so uh, yeah. and i'm reminded of kind of the difference between somebody like you know some stage illusionist like david copperfield or something i'm sure my age now going back a little bit talking about him but you know where somebody's just <laughs> like look follow my eyes look at the mystery watch me vanish this helicopter or the statue of liberty and then mm, and not staring at you and sort of just lording it over you that they can do these things that you can't and and somebody like darren brown who's you know a psych- well, he calls himself right. a psychological illusionist he'll be like he'll do something amazing and like some, and then he'll be like here's how i did it it was sleight of hand and i practiced for six months on a, on right. a ventri- on a you know tailor's dummy so that i could 
could do this and then I distracted him in this way and you're like wow that's even more amazing because I can see the pathway to where it's going and, and there's an honesty and an integrity to that versus pretending you have magical powers or something right and I'm not saying that everybody that did express those abilities I think some of them genuinely it's something it goes back to what you said about like the master student gap that some of them can't even remember how they acquired the, the technique you know they can't remember how they acquired that ability and so they can't translate it to you because they're like oh just do it for ages and it, it came one day but there's actually key drills and key practices that help to nurture things like that and and i feel yeah. like there's an honesty in systema in the you know vladimir and mikhail and um the, the senior instructors are, are passing that through with with great fidelity they're just like well this is how i learned it like you can't do it yet but trust me do this specific thing for a while and you'll get a bit better at this and you'll see pieces of it and that's the thing you can see like bits of progress right you might not be able to do perfect timing based takedowns and things but you once in a while you pull one off and you're like oh that's that's what it is right like, all i have to do is learn to be more consistent you know it's like kind of yeah. That yeah i i think you know a, a big gap there or a big difference between the japanese way or the eastern way and the western way of learning is the the, the place that questions have in the whole process because you know with the japanese you can't really approach them and go okay well i'm thinking this and what is it about what i'm thinking that might be correct or all this kind of thing and it, they're like nah, no 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 just go back and practice mm -hmm. and in the western model or when working with the russians you know if you have questions they'll do their best to answer that and sure. based on your questions you can get some information that'll help you you know progress and it, it's just not there in the japanese mindset you just don't question you just follow and practice and practice and you know it, it's it's not there and then you have the cultural and then the the uh, language um gap that is really not conducive so yeah um, although to be fair there's um you know there's tons and tons and tons of japanese people now like talking to scott mcqueen and a couple of the other guys out there in, in japan that are teaching go on ishi you know there's a massive following now of systema in in japan so it's clearly it's touched something within the culture either it's like an an escape from the 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 rigors of the culture in the, in some sense yeah. or it's or it's tapped something deep inside the japanese people that wants to ask questions and wants to explore you know it's like it's a so I, it's, i've uh, often it's wondered about that i have yeah. wondered about that you know and what kind of questions do they have and and uh, can they be open to that kind of format but you also know the, the japanese fascination now at least currently with everything that's western mm -hmm. so you know, it, it's it's that it, it's funny that you mentioned Scott McQueen because, you know, being involved in uh, Sistema when I was that was 2002, 2003 when I really got started. I came back from Japan and went to Toronto and, um, you know, my first experience was with Vlad that week of just amazing training and, and just kind of getting sold on the whole thing. And hmm. um what happened next was uh, I went to a seminar that Michael was actually there in Toronto uh, teaching a, a seminar. I think it recently became available for download mm. from HQ, but it was at that seminar, and Vlad was talking about a um, planning a trip to tr uh, to Moscow to yeah. train, and that was 2003, and um, I was. Uh, really excited about that and was making the plans for that and just before it happened my mother passed away huh. and I was really having you know some difficulty with rationalizing going on this trip when you know there were so many loose ends here and yeah. you know I had a brother and a sister to kind of 
uh, mourn with and grieve with. And uh, I talked with Vlad and Valerie on the phone, and they said, no, nah, you should come anyway. Hmm. Like, okay. <laughs> and my sister encouraged me to go. Um, and I, and I went and it was a fantastic trip, but, um, that was actually the same trip that you and Scott talked about, uh, in that podcast about Scott's, uh, trip in 2003. And I I was amazed to learn from that podcast that that was, uh, one of Scott's first experiences. Mm. Uh, Yeah. He said he was in at the deep end there, right? He basically just went to Moscow and trained. Yeah. He was asking if there's any way he could go a week early, and he wound up staying at Michael's house. Hmm. And um, you know, during that trip, we actually had a, a party at Michael's house, and um, I, was, I think I was talking with Scott, and he was like, "Yeah, I'm staying here." And I was like, "Oh my gosh, this guy must have been practicing for years if he's <laughs> staying at, at Michael's house." I didn't realize uh, until I listened to the podcast that you know it, it was his first experience. So that was really cool, right? Uh, but it, it shows you what kind of a person Michael is. Sure. You know, have somebody stay at his house like that. So right. that was cool. Yeah. But yeah, that that trip to Moscow so early on just really solidified things. Be sure to check out ncsystema.com slash events for our upcoming workshops and seminars. This month's event, March 16th to 17th, will be an outdoor training camp focused on survival, natural movement, and tactical use of weapons. This is co-taught by myself, Gwen Murphy, and Todd Lauder, Sr., U.S. Special Forces veteran, survival expert, and founder of Tier Consulting and Training. The event will be held on 100 acres of private woodland property outside of Clayton, North Carolina, and is open to all levels of experience. Bring a tent, food, water, clothing, and camping equipment sufficient for one night's stay. Numbers will be capped to 20 persons for safety reasons, and we're already half full, so sign up now to avoid disappointment. Register online at ncsystema.com events. So, so then you came back to the States and um, began just commuting up to Toronto and kind of learning yep. from Vladimir pr- primarily? Or? Yep, exactly. And I was just like, you know, what do I do from here? And like Vlad tells most people, it's like, well, just find some people that you trust and just practice the things that you see, you know, here when you come to classes or that you see me do at seminars and just kind of try to review it and work on it. And um, I... Uh, reached out to a few people that I knew and a, and a few of them, a few of them were receptive to it, but I was really amazed to, to, uh, talk to people that I had trained with for years. And they were like, Oh dude, you've fallen off the warrior path. <laughs> I'm like, really? How so? You know, but they're just like, well, you're, you know, where's your loyalty to this or, you know, where are your thoughts on that? And, um, it's like, well, I've just, you know, been searching and doing all these different things. And I thought you'd be interested in this as well. And hmm. but because it wasn't in their mold, if it wasn't along the uh, the lines of what they had been doing, they just uh, were really kind of closed off to it. So, you know, there's that, I, you know, the biggest obstacle in martial arts is ego. So, yeah. Yeah. So. Or even like even before you get to that, I guess there's a whole idea of 
you know, um, the fixed versus growth mindset, right? Some people just right. put themselves yeah. into like, well, I'm an Aikiju Jitsu guy and that's what I do. And so you could explore within that kind of frame. But like if you show them something else and be like, hey, this might be useful or this might be good for your life or your health or something, they're like, no, that's not what I do. I'm doing this. And um, whereas yeah. some of the people are more predisposed to growth, they're like, well, what's useful? What can I what can I have? Where can I go? You know, it's a, and there's 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 the self limitations just to believing yourself to be a certain type of person. And that's it, I guess. But, uh, and that could be true in the systemic community too. You know, it's po perfectly possible to get fanatical about systemic training and, and and cut yourself off to other things that are good in life, like I don't know, spending time with your kids and stuff like that. You know, <laughs> so you don't want to get fanatical about anything, which is something else that uh, Michael cautions against, I guess. Cool. Yeah. So um, so then you ended up. Um, so you went from tech training group to full on teacher and teaching regularly in in Roanoke. Or? Um. Yeah, I I tried to have a, a training group and just get together with people as much as possible. I uh, um, found a mixed martial arts school here in town and rented space from them uh, for a while. And uh, just, you know, tried to talk to people that I had already known and pull in a few people here and there. Yeah. And uh, commute, you know, to Toronto as often as possible. Um and it was um, went to summer camp in 2005, and um, I think it was the Summit of Masters in uh, 2006, and Michael was there, and uh, yeah, that's when I uh, was, you know, very prematurely given uh, my instructorship, I guess. Cool. Then, so nice. So um, so how has um, Systema kind of woven itself into the the rest of your life? Can you tell us a little bit about what you do when you're not? Um kicking people and punching them in the face <laughs> <laughs> well i mean you know um as well as any of us that you know the idea of system is just or so much of it is this idea of mindfulness and um you know where are you now and um not investing too much in any one thing um i guess emotionally not getting sucked into yeah. um something so you know, I, th I think uh, that's a big part of what I do in the field that I'm in is the field of mental health and psychology. Yeah. And, um, you know, the, the problems that people have in their modern uh, world are depression and anxiety and the importance that they place on, you know, work and uh, achieving and the um, – impressions that other people have of them hmm. and you know what is important and the anxiety and the stress that we you know heap on ourselves uh in relation to that and um you know for me in Sistema that whole mindset and the whole philosophy of yeah this has its place this has its value but it's not a hundred percent you know it's not anything and everything yeah um you know don't give it more importance than it really has. Um, don't invest in it more than what it really can return for you. I think that's an important thing is, you know, um, determining what is the return that something can give back to your life and don't invest more in it than it's willing to return or can return for you. So, um, you know, that's a big lesson that uh, I'm not just going to say Sistema, but just martial arts um, has, um, 
you know, really had for me is just understanding the, the um, place that something has in your life and not over-investing in it. I guess that's true of relationships and almost anything else, right? There's a, there's a point yeah. where you can give too much of yourself to like a, a friendship, for example, or like a, you know, a romantic relationship with a spouse or wherever it's going to be. There's a point where you can give so much of yourself that there's nothing left, right? And it's, it's like you become like a disciple or, or, or kind of a fanatic in that kind of sense. And then you, if that thing goes away or if something changes, right, then you're left, you're, you're a shell and you've got, you are nothing else, right? So it's right, like, right. You know. And that's a great example. You know, I counsel people and, and, and relationships are a great example uh the breakup scenario of um you know this person is just heartbroken and they don't know what to do with themselves and and it's like well what were you before you met this person yeah oh and they're like oh yeah 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 i I did have a life yeah you know they weren't the be all end all of of everything and um you know i did exist without them and before them so you can do that again and also with kids you know i have a 10 year old lachlan Hmm. um, and when he gets overwhelmed by something and you know it's just like uh, the end of the world or you know it's like really is is this the most important thing is this you know perspective and and all that and there's a balance there because you don't want to minimize what's important to them and go, Oh, don't worry about it. It's no big deal. Yeah. Understand it's a big deal to them. Sure. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's still, um, being able to put it in perspective and, you know, to know that, um, you can't attach and assign everything to this. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I'm reminded of the, um, Predominantly a child psychologist, uh, Daniel Siegel, who writes, has written books on like the whole brain child and uh, things yeah. like that. And, um, I've read a lot of his stuff, so I just find it fascinating understanding how kids think in that, you know, their emotional systems are fully developed. And so they're perfectly capable of being angry and outraged and betrayed and all that kind of stuff. But like the upstairs material is only half developed and they and they give you these little leapfrogs of ability where they seem super kind of cognitive and planning and they're kind of reasoning things out. And it, and it leads you to believe that they're actually more in control of their limbic system of emotions than they actually are. And then when they actually flip out and just act like little kids, you kind of get disappointed in them and you're like, come on you're bigger than this but it's like no they're not yeah. fully formed yet not till they're about 20 right. you know really are they fully formed and it's i think we'll probably go through and that I as parents again that and again either so yeah <laughs> yeah some people never quite get it but um but i'm right of something that he talks about in the um in talking about the relationship that parents have with their kids that there's this aspect of um dissociation right that you can be kind of like an absentee parent and just be let them kind of do whatever they want and never really check in and they don't know if they're kind of like supported or loved and this is kind of like an old school victorian dad approach and a british approach to sky you know or uh, some i was watching a mini series i think it's an older one um of a uh, man about john adams the one of the first uh, presidents of the united states right and, the, yes, and the, yeah. there's just this wonderful scene where he's in with his family and the, all these kids are running around him and he's trying to you know plot bits of the declaration of independence or something like that and he just shouts at one of his kids make yourself absent sir like that you know, right <laughs> and it just really made me laugh like so i'm gonna i'm gonna use that one with my kids that's a good one but it just kind of made me really laugh about this, the way that parenting attitudes have changed where it used to be like kids should just be seen and you know not heard and they should yeah, keep themselves and they should kind of just learn to come up in the adult world and then now we've gone kind of full circle into this over integrated relationship where parents try and become 
they're they're best friends of their kids and they're and they're special snowflakes and they can't do anything wrong and they 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 not only unconditional love but unconditional support for almost anything they do to the point where they're arguing with their teachers and they're stepping into like bullying interactions yes. too much yes. and things like that and what Siegel argues for is like a balance between integration and dissociation he's like if you're you know if you're always there and you you never let your child fall over you never let them stray then probably you're too integrated um, but if your child seems like um, nervous all the time and loath to go off and try things then probably you're too dissociated and you have to keep calling yourself back and maybe there's some right. analogy there with our relationship with martial arts or with Sistema like if you're too into it if you're too integrated you can't see the wood for, the, for the trees yeah like, and, and but if you're too dissociated and you don't really care then you probably won't progress because you're not immersed enough in it does that kind of make sense to you right yeah oh absolutely I I, I agree and um, I think we the pen you know it's a pendulum as so many things are it swings back and forth yeah. and i think you're absolutely right that we've kind of gotten to this place where you know so many parents want to be their child's best friend and be with them in every moment and you know nurture them and tell them that they're good at everything that they possibly do yeah and and that's not sincere yeah that's not that's not honest um you know you can't you can try to be your child's best friend, but that's not your job as a parent. Yeah. And, um, you know, my parents were not that way. They were su very supportive and very loving. Uh, my mother was very affectionate. My father was not so much. Mm. <laughs> He's a, you know, a German family and kind of a Prussian uh, attitude about yeah. things. But um, I, I appreciate that. And I think... Um, what is missing is for a parent to communicate expectation to a child. Hmm. You know, um, this is what is expected of you. Hmm. And that child needs to learn to meet those expectations, not, um, not egotistically placed uh, expectations like, well, you're going to do this because this is the way I want it. Yeah. But because this is how you're going to be successful in the world. This is how you're going to get along in the world sure. and relate, relate to other people. And, you know, children are awesome and their creativity and their plasticity and their ability to creatively problem solve, they can meet those expectations in the, in the best and most wonderful kind of ways. But yeah. if you're not putting those expectations out there hmm. because you're too worried about overstressing your child yeah then you know they're just kind of drifting along in um a land of uh no hardships no challenges hmm. and uh you know they don't learn yeah um do you, do you think there's a, a parallel there as well? It's just occurred to me with um, with teaching, right? So you're an instructor. You've been teaching for quite a long time now, um, and you've seen different types of students come and go. You know, some students come in and they're like the flame is burning right away, and they're just so keen, they're almost fanatical right away. And and some of those kind of burn out fairly quickly and go away again, right? And some of the people mm. are slower to kind of build up to Sistema, but then they stay for years and they're just kind of diligent and they train. And and there's this third category which always baffles me, which is people who just kind of show up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
you know, that's, I mean, I'm grateful that they show up. You know, you have to like build the numbers and that kind of stuff. But it, it just staggers me when people show up week after week, month after month, year after year. But they're kind of like me. Like they, they never really do the push up. You know, if you do like a slow push up or something, they just kind of bail out after about 20 seconds. Or that you know, they they'll be they'll do a certain amount, but then they just kind of go lazy and, d- and don't do the rest of it you know and that kind of stuff and it's, and people train for their own reasons some people come for a bit of stress relief and some people come you know for the community and the social aspect and things like that so i understand that and i accept it that not everybody's going to be driven towards improvement and that kind of stuff but for me it's such, such an alien concept to show up and then yeah. not give it you know you don't have to give it 100 percent, but to not even give it 25 percent <laughs> that's an interesting thing for me is there a parallel here in, in the way that we interact with our students that if we don't challenge them enough or we don't set expectations like look we're going to do the push-up it's going to suck deal with it you know like uh, but we're all going to get the five minutes somehow or something like that if we don't do that um are we letting them down by being too lax and being too hands-off and not setting any any expectations well that's an awesome question because it's it's like we always say oh these kids these days they don't know you know and is it kids that have changed or is it we who have changed or, you know, did we never expect to find ourselves in our parents' shoes saying, oh, these kids these days. Um, But I I know exactly, exactly what you mean by those types of students. And I think the word that you hit on was commitment. And Mm -hmm. I, I, I think, you know, it's great for somebody to come to a Sistema class or a tennis class or a a weightlifting class or, you know, whatever it is and, you know, just be there and kind of play around with it for maybe two or three classes. But if you haven't made up your mind that that's something you want to do Hmm. by then, then it's probably not for you. Hmm. And, and if you've gotten beyond that third class and you've said, yeah, I like this, I want to do this, then the question is, okay, where's the sense of commitment? Yeah. And, and you're hitting on that because, uh, yeah, I know what you mean. I, I have had people and um, come into class and you see this kind of 15, 20, 25, 30, you know, percent level of, of commitment. And, yeah, they just don't want to do certain things. And, well, that's too much. Or, I, yeah, I, I don't need to do that. And hmm. you're, you're like, really? And, hmm. and I think um, they see it as more of a social um, thing. And it's like, and, uh, you know, maybe that does relate to, I hate to say it, kids these days. Hmm. Um, and what was instilled in them as far as what's your level of commitment? You've chosen to do this. Hmm. Now, what's your level of commitment? You've got to commit to you, to this. And, ah, that's a great example. I, I, having a 10 year old, I see other parents, and um, it's actually happened in the kids' class. Um, the kids like, well, you know, that was kind of hard, and I don't didn't like it. So the kids' parents say, well, if you don't want to like it anymore, then you can quit. Right. Yeah. And oh my gosh, my parents, they never would have said that to me. Right. You know, yeah. you you chose to do this. You've been in it for five months now. Yeah. You're going to complete it. You know, right. or you're at least giving it another year. Right. Um, we bought you the damn yeah. gi and the belt and the gradings. <laughs> We've invested that. <laughs> You're going to damn well learn something. It's like, <laughs> right. No, I'm not investing this kind of money in this. You know, but, um, you know, but they want the lesson is there. It's like, you know, you initially saw the value in it. Yeah. 
So where's your commitment? And just because you don't like the circum the present circumstances does not mean that the value you originally saw in it is not still there. Yeah. And moreover, the, the deepest lessons, the most valuable things that you get from, well, most things in life, I suppose, but Sistema in particular, is the, is the things right. that you have to really fight through to get there, right? So like the, 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 the ability to, for example, to hit deeply with heavy hands comes oh. from a lot of time hanging out in the push-up position and just trying to relax your shoulders doing push-ups rather than just cranking push-ups out and seeing how they feel, you know. Um, and the ability to, you know, engage the ground well and softly, you have to hit the ground a lot of times, you know, and get some scrapes and learn the way not to hit the ground a lot. And you have to, so you have to go through that discomfort in order to get to something truly comfortable on the other side. But the great thing is that on the other side of it is actually more comfort, right? So you fall on the, yep. you can sleep on a hard floor or you can roll around on anything and you don't get hurt so the paradox is that if you don't go through if you don't do that little bit of fight through and just kind of bust through the edge of your kind of cocoon then you're, you're stuck in it forever and then the the scope of things and situations in which you can become comfortable actually shrinks over time and you end up seeking more and more comfort and more cozy clothes and more climate control and you know and you're, you're less able to deal with things and everything irritates you right whereas the system is kind of the other way it's like well can we bust out of the comfort zone a bit more and then become yeah. comfortable in situations that other people really have trouble with well i i think that's really the key right there to success in life is expanding your comfort zone yeah and not sticking with what you find comfortable, um, exposing yourself to things and and situations that you're not comfortable with, but learning how to play, yeah, uh, play with that um, and expand those comfort zones. But yeah, I've I've actually had students they're like, well, yeah, I don't mind you hitting me, but don't touch the face. Right. Yeah. Like really? Um, but you're here to learn how to protect yourself and and deal with these kind of situations in the real world but you don't think things are ever going to happen to your face yeah, yeah. you know it's the, it's the first place that people hate your face in a fight right <laughs> it's, it's the first place they go that's yeah um and you know i've, I've had um and maybe this was the wrong way to approach it with a student but i said well you need to do this and mm-hmm. uh, whatever the situation was and i've had people go well i don't need to yeah like well okay you don't need to hmm. or you don't have to sure but if you're not going to then you should leave this group <laughs> you know right. you should leave the school because if you're going to do this then yeah you actually have to or you need to Don't miss your chance to train with senior system instructor Martin Wheeler at the four-day masterclass North Carolina, October 10th to 13th, 2019. The theme this year is Soft Work to Full Speed, a progressive multi-day exploration of fighting tactics, covering basic moving and striking, advanced grappling and takedowns, full speed knife and stick work, and tapping the unconscious mind in combat. The event is strictly limited to 35 persons, and advanced pricing is $650 for both days by April the 1st, with the option of a non-returnable deposit of $150 to hold your spot. Register online at ncsystema.com events, or email us for more details. It's, it's all too common a thing, I think, sometimes when people stall out or have trouble or seem not to be getting something that they'll then try and outsource the blame upwards right this seems to be a little bit of a kind of a, a generational thing right that, that i'm mm. not i'm not doing well i'm not growing so therefore somebody must be oppressing me or <laughs> somebody must be holding me down <laughs> or they're not giving me the right tools like this space doesn't feel safe enough i don't know any number of things that you could kind of put on the outside of it um and of course there's a place for 
trust and play. And that was a good amount of what um, Emmanuel was talking about a couple of weeks yes. ago, right? When you came down for the seminar at our place, he was saying, you know, if you want to do rough things, if you really want to go full tilt and punch each other in the face and, and learn about combat, you, you have to go through a process of building trust and rapport with people first, because then only then are they going to feel comfortable giving you things full tilt and you doing the same thing and you've got you feel safe enough to practice in that space and then you can kind of up the ante and keep going and if you try and leapfrog that you won't allow yourself to truly create and 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 work right um and it's is there a same is there a similar thing with students in that you have to be like well yeah we're gonna play around we're gonna make you feel safe but at some point we have to up the ante here we can't just play around and like do soft work indefinitely and and assume that's going to translate into rougher stuff because it probably won't probably what will happen is that when you you, you know, you experience the rougher stuff. You'll go back into the same shell that you did before you started to stammer. You know. So. Well, you know, and something that I've been thinking about since that seminar with Emmanuel is, you know, his approach of um, or what he was describing in that seminar of uh, awareness, play. Well, actually, awareness do the personal work, play with others, mm-hmm. then um, integrate, you know, control or uh, influencing sure. uh, things. It's really kind of a model that works well with this whole idea of what is the flow state, Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, and how do you achieve that? And you've got this balance between what is challenging and what is an expression of skill. Mm. And you've got to strike that balance because if you have too much of challenge you're going to have outrageous anxiety and if you're just practicing skills without much challenge you get bored yeah so you know this balance between anxiety and boredom and um you know if you have a system ah guys it's it's, yeah the parallels to parenting are, are are great because you see it a lot in um the branch chain McDojo type uh, martial arts hmm. schools, especially that cater to kids. And, you know, you've get a, a stripe or a star every class and you can become of this and, you know, umpteen different color belts and it's, it's reward, reward, reward. Yeah. So that's how you keep the interest. That's hmm. how you keep the level ex- of excitement and they don't have, to, and you can get away with, um, minimal expression of skill Hmm. you don't have to you can avoid the level of boredom by giving more and more silver stars or gold stars and yeah and uh rewarding it when there hasn't really been any achievement there yeah or challenge right and yeah that's the different yeah and that's the difference with sistema is that you know there's no ranking Hmm. You definitely don't get gold stars from Vlad when you go visit HQ. You know, you <laughs> yeah, the opposite. You get brown stars, or, 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 or big bruises, star-shaped bruises. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I. It's like how often does Vlad hand out compliments and things like that? And uh, uh, I was actually telling people at, at class one time about um, here recently about a time that I was up in Toronto, and I must have gotten this frustrated look on my face. And it was after class, and and Vlad looked at me and goes, oh, no, no, don't worry. You're very good for someone at your level. And I was really pleased and happy for about 2.5 seconds (laughs) because I was like, I'm really good for somebody at my level? (laughs) Like, what's my level? You know, it's like your level. 
um, you know, what what smells bad and sounds like a bell, dung, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, it's a it's a nice to hear that you're good, but you don't have any idea what your level is, and mm-hmm. it's not important. You know, you just keep going. Yeah, and I guess that's that's I mean that as a coaching strategy is part of the whole commitment to intrinsic reward, right? Versus extrinsic. Because if if Vlad started handing out compliments like, "Oh, you're actually you're really good and you're doing great," is that and he's actually talked about that in the past in podcasts. Is that as soon as you start to give somebody. Um, recognition or you start to give them some sort of power you're like hey you can go and you should lead the warm-up or you should go and do some seminars or something like that it's like it's the beginning of the end for them right that's the beginning yeah. of the the pride seed is sown and then they're like well actually i'm quite important i'm quite good and people should respect and understand that and from the beginning from there is the beginning of the end right it's like no good right. comes of it and actually so the, the commitment to intrinsic reward in in the russian system seems to be like we'll keep squashing that <laughs> right? it's, it's right. just when you start to think like you're pretty good just like let's look at what good actually is and you're not it you know it's like so it's kind of like over and over again getting it but not in a cruel way right in, in a way that just kind of holds up a, a mirror to you and sort of says that yeah okay you've, you've achieved a certain amount but um but let's look at things on the wider scale let's look at all the, the weaknesses that you have and all the places where that falls down and and that's really what you should be working on you don't need to celebrate your achievements quite as much as perhaps American culture would have you believe. Right. You know, achievement is something that you share with um, with yourself and maybe the people that you're closest to and that you don't need to broadcast out into the world, you know, unless you're, you know, marketing. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. Um, there, there, is a, there is a tricky thing on that, though, right? Because if... You know, humility is a wonderful thing for learning, but it's a very difficult thing. You know, if somebody comes along and says, "Why should I train with you and not the Krav Maga school down the road?" Um, if you're like genuinely humble, you could be like, "Well, you know, they're very good." I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, I, we, I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying, but I'm no, nowhere near as good as my instructor. And you know, he told me last week I've got a lot of work to do. So, what can I tell you? You should maybe come and train with us if you want. But if not, go to the other place. And the other guy's like, "Come train with us twenty days. I'll make you a killing machine." Right? Um, <laughs> the, the, the opening gambit, the elevator speech there is always going to go pretty much to, to, to you know, prideful guy. Unfortunately, because that's what we've been conditioned to yeah, respond to it, in, in society. It's like we want the quick fix. We want the, the guy who offers all the answers and if you're not that guy and if you're actually humble and um about what you're doing then you can run the risk of being like the meek guy who loses out to everything right it doesn't even get them in the door even if you want to teach them humility over time you still got to get them in the door to stop practicing right, you know right. I, I think that's a huge challenge um and a big difference in again i don't want to say just sistema but you know true martial arts and the way martial arts are presented in the world today and, you know, it's like, well, how do you present it to mm-hmm. somebody? And, you know, you could say, yeah, well, you know, I could kill you. I can teach you how to kill somebody in three weeks and blah, 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 blah. Or, you know, like in the case of systemic, go, well, if you're really looking for a challenge that's going to make you look at yourself and hmm. evaluate yourself and, and grow, then this is what you're going to do. You know, and it's yeah. like uh, pleasant lies or hard truths. You know, which one are you going to? You know which line are you gonna cue into? Yeah. Um, and most people are going for the pleasant lies, yeah. um, rather than the hard truths. Yeah, I guess so. Um, yeah. So, but you know, and I, you hit on a very interesting point: is you know, what is the balance between humbling down and being modest? And um, I don't want to say meek, but I think people, and I know I did this for several years, is uh, um 
putting yourself in a position of being too meek. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also the striking the balance of not being cocky or arrogant, but actually believing yourself worthy and possibly capable of achieving something. Yeah. Well, you know, even, the, even amidst of one interaction, you know, Vlad said things before, like, you know, you, you know, when you strike, you have to believe in your hands, right? You have to believe yeah. that you have weight in your hands and that it carries that power. And because if you don't, then you'll necessarily form a whole bunch of tension. You'll try and kind of use your, you know, your waist or your shoulders, you'll brace your shoulder up or something to try and generate some extra power because you don't believe you have it in your hands, right? So there's this weird kind of, not quite a paradox, but it's just like you have to believe, you have to have faith, um, and in your abilities in order to genuinely relax enough to perform things and let them happen. But you can't have too much belief in your own abilities because then it becomes arrogance, right? And I guess the right. the, the get-out-of-jail-free card on that one from um, <laughs> is usually just like, well, it's not you that gives you the power, right? It's, it's getting passed through you. You're just channeling this. And the, you know, there's, yeah. there's a man upstairs or there's somebody who's, who's enabling you to do that. And so if you keep your mind on that bigger picture that you don't – these abilities aren't yours. They were given to you, right, somehow, then right. – then, then it's not prideful anymore because you're just you're celebrating the the joy the body you've been given and the chance that you've been given to learn and all of that kind of thing right so that's that's the way that you can kind of outsource that pride a little bit but i'm not sure of that um i'm not right. sure how easily that translates sometimes like people have difficulty with that they go backwards and forwards a lot you just reminded me of a, a workshop gosh i guess it was i don't know how many years ago it was, it was. um i think you were there it was in um charlotte and uh, Kaizen was teaching. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe back. Just, uh, he was talking about striking and delivering punches, and the way he was talking about it was almost um, connection, plugging in. Yeah. Right, he was saying you're plugging into the guy's nervous system. Yeah, he was like uh, fuse welding your fist into that person's nervous system. Yeah, mm-hmm. but that that connection, and he was delivering some really uh, good strikes. Um, mm-hmm. Probably. To Bill, <laughs> yeah. I think. Well, Big Mike um, as well, Big, who's passed away now. I think it was like Big Mike he used to train down at Mark's place. I, yes, I, I remember gosh, distinctly yeah. him hitting him, and, and, and him, you yes. know, he was a massive kind of I, Carolina I, guy, and he and he jumped, you know, three or four yeah. spaces back like he'd been hit with a, you know, a taser. He was like, oh, ah, yeah. he was like all over the place. But this little guy, Kaizen, just hit him in the chest, and he went flying. But Kaizen was talking about, you know, all right, so this is the way I look at it. This is the way I think about it. This is the intention that I have to get this kind of result. And somebody raised their hand and said, do you think it's possible for us to achieve something like that? Hmm. And my thought as soon as that person asked that question was, of course, Hmm. you know, why are you practicing this if you actually hold a belief that you couldn't? Hmm. Yeah. You know, if you believe that it's incapable for you or that you are so lowly, you know, that that you will never be able to achieve this, then then why are you practicing? Yeah, it's a good point. And, um, you know, I think it was Henry Ford that said, whether you believe you can or you can't, in either case, you're right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, um, if you hold the belief that you can't do this, then you're correct. And if right. you believe that you have the ability and the potential, then you're correct. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it... it I, I think people I think people should be modest and should be humble, but martial artists in particular really need to uh, work in embodying that because there's always something more. Mm-hmm. It's it's always a deeper thing. And you have to humble down to slice this study thinner and thinner to look at it 
in a deeper way because if you think you understand it, then you're not going to be motivated to look at it more deeply. So, well yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, so any um, any any closing thoughts for folks? Anything that you've learned along the way, like uh, thick mistakes that you feel like you've made in your training that you would want to pass on? Say, if Lachlan started, tra- you know, training and he's really getting into it, and what would you warn him against, and what would you encourage him to do as a martial artist? Not necessarily just a stammer, but like as in his martial career, if he gets into that. Yeah. Um, don't rush. Mm. Don't rush. Um, the biggest, you know, it, it's appreciate where you are in the process. Hmm. Uh, really thoroughly enjoy it because you're going to get the most out of it by doing that. You know, it, it relates to everything that we've been talking to. Um, if you think you got it, you think you're um, uh, ready to move on, then you're going to miss something. And hmm. Um, you know, I learned this a long time ago that true martial arts, Sistema, um, it's not climbing a ladder of achievement. Hmm. Oh, I've got this, now I'm going up to the next step, I'm climbing the rungs of the ladder. It's more like exploring the depths of a well. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm traveling down in the same spot and, and um, learning how deep this is and what the experience is. And, um Progression is a spiral. Yeah. You know, you revisit the same material, but looking at it from a slightly different perspective because of your previous experience. It's not just a ladder that you climb and they, you leave all that stuff down behind you and below you. Yeah. You know, so, um, yeah, that, that's the best metaphor for learning anything. Nice. Uh, I think, wow. yeah. Well said, man. Good stuff. Well, thanks so much again for taking the time today and joining us. It's, uh, it's great to get your insights, and uh, especially on how it relates to kind of a general uh, mental outlook and mindset. That's, that's been a, a good in-depth for me on that one. And uh, maybe we can get you back on the show after uh, after a little while and share your thoughts on some other things. So. Thank you very, very much, Glenn. I uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, cool. thank you. I'd love Sorry. to. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to find out more about the classes, workshops, and seminars at NC Sistema, please visit us online at www.ncsistema.com.